Welcome to Graduating Grief, a podcast designed to help you step back into living your life with joy after loss. If you're ready to move from surviving to thriving, you've come to the right place. Here's your host and inspirationista, Sherry Dunleavy. Have you ever looked for signs from your loved one after they have died? I know that I have. And I think that after my father died, I truly was looking for cardinals. But then I thought, I don't know if cardinals are really a good sign for me to look for, although that is used almost universally when a loved one passes. But the reason is because my dad passed in May and the state bird is cardinal. So you were going to see them everywhere. But for some reason, um, I didn't think that Cardinal was the, the, the animal that I was going to connect to when I was thinking about my father. And for some reason, Blue Jays kept showing up for me. So I don't know what that's all about. And if you're like me, maybe you have looked to nature and the animal world as well to connect with your loved one in spirit. And I'm not the expert in this, but I have someone who can really help us a lot, who's way more expert than I am. His name is Dave Roberts. I came to know him through uh, the work that we have done together this whole summer on our Clubhouse uh, Grief Journeys conversation that we have every Thursday. And he is an amazing soul with an amazing story and how he has been led to the world of nature and animals through the healing of his grief when he lost his daughter. Dave, thank you so much for joining me today. Sure, thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm excited to be here. So, your daughter's name? Janine. 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 Tell us about Janine. Well, Janine was 18 years old when she transitioned on March 1st, 2003 of a rare and aggressive form of a connective muscle tissue cancer called the velar rhabdomyosarcoma. Um, it was 10 months from diagnosis to her transition. That's how, mm. that's how quick it was. She was diagnosed um, shortly after the birth of her first daughter, Brianna, and her only daughter, Brianna. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, so Brianna was 10 months old when Janine transitioned. Um, and what was interesting is that uh, her significant other, um, Janine and Brianna and their two cats or their one cat all moved into our house with our boys, my wife, Sherry and me, uh, my boys, Dan and, and Matt and our cats. So the standing joke around our neighborhood is how many, how many four leggeds and two leggeds could you get into a, a, a single level ranch? You know, how many, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, but we made it work. Um, and after she transitioned, her significant other stayed for four years after, you know, lived with us for four years until, um, uh, she could get, um, you know, she, till till uh, Brianna can get, could get settled. So, um, and, you know, she's still a part of our lives now. She's 19 years old. She's been a part of our lives, you know, since she was born. Um, and, and, and she still is. So, you know, that is, that's the back, that's the, the total story in terms of, and, and I'm no stranger to lost Sherry. I mean, I've experienced dance with death since I've been five years old. Um, you know, but this, this loss, the loss of a, of a child, mm-hmm. as you're well aware, 
is an unnatural event for a parent. It's something that parents, as parents, I, we, you know, we never envision that that's going to happen. And when it does, it puts us into a, a very, you know, foreign and terrifying world. So, I was I was naturally drawn to, um, to the field of, of thanatology and death and dying because of my own personal experiences and um, have really in the, the eighteen plus years since her transition have tried to really live a purpose-driven life, a meaningful life, and be open to a lot of different perspectives that I think could help us work through grief and promote ongoing healing. She sounds like she was an amazing daughter. And even though you are trained, you know, to help people through their traumas, it's a whole different ballgame when you're uh-huh. the one experiencing that trauma and that grief and that pain. Exactly. I mean, all the training, education in the world, all of my past experience working, you know, with trauma-informed therapy with a variety of different individuals didn't even begin to prepare me for the path that I was, you know, I I was forced to walk. Um, And, you know, that's that's sometimes I think one of the myths that just because we're therapists means means we know how to handle our own challenges in life-altering challenges. And it's, it's a lot different. It's different when you are now in the midst of that. Um, cause it required me to do a lot of soul searching and a lot of rethinking of priorities and basically rebuilding my assumptive world, um, which also involved incorporating practices that were not necessarily science-based, but together with my science-based background helped me create a, a greater sense of awareness and connection to something greater than myself. Which and led gave me the, Yeah, yeah, gave me the, that's okay. Which gave me the the necessary tools to begin to work through my grief. So hence the title of your book, tell us about your book, because your book is going to lead us to the journey that we're going to be talking yeah. about here. Yeah. Our the book, our book, which was, pub, which was published on March 1st, uh, 2021. And we picked March 1st because that was the day that March 1st was the day that my daughter transitioned. So we picked that day to roll out our book. Uh, when the Psychology Professor Met the Minister is a book that I co-authored with a dear friend, colleague, and, and my spiritual mentor, Reverend Patty Farino, um, who lives currently in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And the book is in, in part about the, the spiritually transformative experience that she guided in Long Island that allowed me to find peace and clarity after my daughter Janine's transition transition. And then we talk about a sampling of our random conversations or, or not random, but our, our, I meant to say marathon conversations mm-hmm. over the past 10 plus years that we think lay the, the, the groundwork for as a model for uh, showing individuals how they can integrate psychology with spiritual practices. And then also we have in our last couple chapters of the book, we have a message, message for the younger generation who many times are misunderstood because of their intuitive abilities and often misdiagnosed. Patty was the person who introduced me to a whole different perspective. And particularly in, in one of those practices that she introduced me to were the Native American teachings of animals and nature, um, specifically with Jamie Sams and Ted Andrews. And one of the first, one of the things that we did during that transformative weekend in Long Island is she um, had me pick a card from um, a a deck of cards that goes along with a book by Jamie Sams and David Carson called Medicine Cards. Mm -hmm. So she said, pick a card. 
she goes, my, my intuition is, is telling us that we need to, to pick a card. So the first card I picked was deer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now deer in the, in the, in the Sam's tradition and, and Jamie Sam's basically integrated a lot of different teachings from the na- native tribe, the tribal, the native American tribal nations. Um, and, and put this in her, her really, I think, groundbreaking book, which is timeless, by the way. It was done, I think, in the early in 1990s, and it's still very, very relevant today. But the dear message is about gentleness to self, gentleness to others, and the gentle call to adventure. And one of the things that I had struggled with immensely after my daughter Janine's transition was blaming myself for not being able to see the signs of her cancer sooner, not doing enough to protect her from a disease that I had truly had no control over. But yet I allowed myself to go there as part of my grief process to do the what ifs, to, yeah. um, to engage in guilt, to engage in you know remorse. But that was all part of the journey that I had to take. But the deer card came up first and foremost. And you know, Patty had reminded me, she said, it's, 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 you need to, you need to, to be gentle with yourself. You need to be gentle with others. And, um, you know, essentially the message was you need to let yourself off the hook for things that you didn't think you, that you think you could have, you should have seen, but that nobody could foresee. And to me, Sherry, that is the kind of the, the, um, one of the things about grief is that it, it really, to me, for me, it played so many I don't want to say tricks on my mind, but it really just rattled my assumptive worldview so much that for some reason I thought I had control over something that was un- uncontrollable, but yet I held myself hostage to that idea. Deer medicine reminded me to be gentle and to, to let myself off the hook. So consequently, it's one of the tools I would say, okay, what do I need, need to do to be more gentle to myself? What do I need to do to be gentle with others? What can I do to create some adventure in my life? that will give me some additional memories that can counteract, you know, the, the pain of the memory of losing, of losing my daughter's physical presence. So you came to a deer by picking a card. Yes. But other people come to nature and animals just mm-hmm. because they have almost like a knowing. And sometimes yep. it's even a pre agreed upon, uh, you know, animal, um, yep. or insect, mm-hmm. you know, butterflies, dragonflies. Um, what yep. are some of the common things that you've heard? I, I think one first, before you make, you make a very legitimate point, you don't have to pick a car to be drawn to an animal. Um, you know, you might be drawn to an animal that you've just been fascinated with that, you know, you think you've had a natural attraction to either out in nature or in, in terms of, in terms of contemplation, it may be an animal that came to you in a dream. Um, and, and sometimes animals will appear in the form, you know, in, in dreams, in, in a dream visit. I had a dream visit recently where a beautiful raven just flew down uh, the basement hallway of the college that I work at at Utica College and just landed right at my feet. So there's a variety of different ways that animals will make themselves known to us. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it could be through a card. It could be through through a through a sighting. It could be through a fascination with a particular animal. Any one of those can, can draw us to animals. We're just taking a walk out in nature and seeing which animals tend to make themselves known to us, because in the Native American tradition, any animal sighting is significant. 
but particularly if there's an animal that's like right in your face, literally, that is right out in front of you or that you can, is very prominent to you, they have a message that's specifically for you. <clears throat> How can you find out what those messages are? There's a couple of different things. One, you can consult. I mean, I would recommend getting the Jamie Sam's book and David Carson book and putting that in your library. If you are drawn to Native American teachings of animals and nature or the Native American traditions, Ted Andrews, the late Ted Andrews, another um, uh, you know, great spiritual teacher and elder in the Native American tradition, wrote a book called Animal Speak, which expands more on nature. It expands more on numerology. So those books in general, or simply share, you can even go online, you know, and just type in um, cardinal as a totem animal and see what comes up. So, <laughs> so, so yeah. It's, so the it's reason, yeah. The reason I say that is because I'm constantly like, if you would check my Google searches, it is always the spiritual meaning of yeah. this, the spiritual meaning yeah. of that. But honestly, I want to, I, I want to go to that a little bit because right. Um, what I found for me, and I want to ask you as the scientist, as the professor, um, as someone who was based in science and answers, and when you couldn't find them to make sense for you and your daughter's death, what led you on the spiritual path? Because I feel, I feel it is so essential. Okay. So essential. Okay. So what led me on the spiritual path was very simply, and we mentioned this in the book, was a statement I made of simple intent to the universe. Um, I had been taking three conference presenters who were, you know, who headlined a conference that I helped organize back in 2010 called Beyond Words, Creative Approaches to, to Grief. And they were having this intense discussion in the back and very deep discussion about spiritual spirituality, about life, afterlife, signs, transforming relationships with our loved ones. And I simply looked up to the universe, the sky, God creator, whoever we believe our higher power to be, and just said, I want to be where they are. That's just all I said. I said, I want to be where they are. All I asked for, Sherry, was they have some type of spiritual knowledge availed, you know, made known to me so that I could I could have that type of a conversation, perhaps obtain a different outlook on how I was viewing my daughter's death. And in November of 2010, you know, I mean, I had met Patty Farino in August, you know, before the conference, we had talked over the phone and then our meeting actually manifested in November and the universe answered my call in the, in the, in the form of Patty. And basically what Patty gave me exceeded what I even asked for. I wanted a, to be able to have a, a conversation about spirituality. And I got a whole different perspective that we continue to build on. And I can, you know, you know, in the, in the 10 plus years of our relationship. And I credit Patty totally for that. And but so I all, how yeah. did that change your life? Well, in a lot of different ways. I think the biggest thing is that I learned that I could transform the relationship with my daughter that I learned that just because she was physically, she wasn't physically present, didn't mean that she wasn't present with me in spirit or in a different form of energy. Mm -hmm. And I learned that I could transform that relationship. The other thing 
that it also led to was healing in other areas. I was able to do some ancestral healing uh, with a father who had, had left me when I was five years old. Um, and because of my understanding of his history and, you know, in beginning to embrace spirituality, I looked at my father's leaving from a sacred perspective is that he left not out of, because he wanted to abandon us, he left out of love because he couldn't stay in a traditional marriage. He couldn't, he couldn't, and I, I began to understand that. Um, I also understood the reasons for my mother's overprotectiveness as, to, as a single parent to an only child. Because of all, because of all of that, so it allowed me to do healing in areas that it would have honestly, Sherry, taken me years of therapy to get through. Um, and those different types of perspectives, you know, really offered me almost instant clarity. And I'm not—I don't abandon science. I, I'm firmly science-based, and I believe strongly in science. But I also believe that we can expand our core belief system without abandoning our core belief by adding different perspectives that enrich our perspective of the universe and enhance our clarity, our, our connectivity to ourselves and to a power greater than ourselves. I notice that you don't talk about the death of your daughter. You talk about it as the transition. Yes. Um, did you always talk about it as the transition prior to your spiritual journey? Absolutely not. It was always, there was always death. Um, and you know, I, for me, it was trying to, I used that to accept the finality of the fact that, you know, the, of the fact that she was, she wasn't physically present, but transition was also a part of the perspective shift that, you know, I learned through path. And one of the things that I had, I had always, and you know, with, with grief, we have, many of us relived the last day of our, of our loved one's life. And we replay that over and over and over again. And I can still remember the last day of Janine's life. I know exactly what happened that day, who was there, who was present. What I, how I always looked at her last moments of life was that I, I was the last person, and I was, I was the last person. I held her hand, I witnessed her taking her last three breaths, and then she, then she passed. And I always told Pat, I said, you know, that moment always gave always created a lot of painful memories for me because I was the last person to see her alive. And then she, we were, this was during one of our phone calls. She said to me, you know, she goes, why don't you, why don't I give you a different take on this? She said, what if you were the first person to introduce her to everlasting, to her new existence of everlasting life? And, and just that one little perspective shift changed it for me and said, okay. Um, and, it, and, it, and, and, and maybe and I, I looked at it and I just said, yeah. I, and I began to look at her moment of passing, not so much as death, but a transition or a rebirth into a new experience. That's what I find so amazing in, in grief journeys is that it can just be a simple shift in perspective, a, yep. the, the simplest of things that can change everything, that can melt a hardened heart, that can open a gateway to acceptance and love. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's a miracle in of itself. Mm -hmm. Something um, that spoke to you in a way that changed everything for you, right? 
Yeah, it was just that one statement. You know, you know, it's just like sometimes how we get one person, Sherry, that, that comes mm -hmm. to us in a moment, and that kind of changes that moment forever, or at least helps us get through that moment, you know, even if we never see him again. It was, it was like that, that one simple suggestion that Patty made to, you know, to shift my perspective meant the world to me. That meant that allowed me to look at her passing now as a transition into a new existence. Um, because I, you know, she is still with me, just a different form of energy. And we, we can maintain those relationships with our loved ones. We can stay connected if we're open to it and, um, you know, we choose to do so. So how do you stay connected with your daughter through nature? Well, one of the things that I will do is, uh, first of all, I will bring her to conscious memory. I'll just say, Janine, let's go take a walk, you know, and, you know, and then it, can, it may not be just Janine. It may be my mother, it may be my father. It may be, um, you know, my mentor or, or other colleagues that have passed. I mean, we, I may just take them all for a walk. And just say, come on, let's, let's, I want you to be with me. Or um, if I have her prayer card in the card, car, so come on, well, let's take a ride. You know, let's just, you know, so I always bring her with me wherever I go, she goes. Because one of the things I've learned as another is to integrate the best parts of her into my own narrative of my life narrative. Mm -hmm. So I take her passion for the underdog. I take her, her, um, you know, directness. I take her, um, her sarcastic sense of humor. I take everything that's beautiful about her and it's incorporated within me. So I tell my students or anybody that meets me, I said, look, you're getting a package deal. You're not only getting me, you're getting my daughter. And I said, you're getting the both of us. So everywhere I go, since she's, she's within my heart and she's in my soul, I take her anywhere, anyway. I mean, it just goes without saying, we're coming Jane, we're going to take a ride. We're going to go to school. We're going to teach my students. You know, we're gonna. So I mean, it's that point of integration that has allowed me to to re to redo my life story, that allows me to live a purpose driven life with her, and in honor of her. That's beautiful. I I, I feel like I co create with Brandon too, and I feel like you know my son, your your daughter lived to eighteen years. My son lived to twenty nine days. Um, but I feel like his life is still making an impact uh, mm -hmm. through me mm -hmm. and your daughter, Jenny, still making an impact through you. So she mm -hmm. is living on, uh, mm -hmm. in this dimension and the next, right? You so, got it. Um, because, because we are carrying them with us and that's a beautiful thing. So let's go back to the animals. Um, do you, how do you know that? some an animal is kind of like speaking to you or representing your loved one or trying to send you a message of connection well one i think any sign we interpret from an animal i think is a product of what's going on with us in the present moment so let's say if we're thinking of a loved one if you're thinking of brandon i'm thinking of janine or another parent or an individual who's lost a loved one is thinking of their loved one and an animal comes by, that may be significant. Mm -hmm. um, it also might be in terms of, you know, in, in terms of, for me, it was like, I graduated from deer and with the, into, into crow and wolf medicine and crow and wolf are, are very, are very, you know, important to me as well too. 
So I think it just depends on, you know, trusting our intuition, looking at what's happening in the present moment. And, and if we can, if we're thinking of our loved ones in that present moment, an animal happens to come by, then it is significant. And as I mentioned earlier, I think in the Native American tradition, any animal sighting is significant anyway. Then those animals carry a message for us. Um, and Native Americans, as you know, they believe that um, nature, animals all have a spirit. They all have something to teach us. And if we're open to that, you know, we can, we can learn from anything that crosses our path. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a beautiful way to look at it. I think that um, everything's here. We're all, well, what was it? Ram Dass said, we're here. We're all walking each other home. And I think that includes yeah. the animal kingdom as well. I think I think so too. I mean, if you look at it, the animals probably were here before human before humans ever got here. I mean, they've 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 been inhabitants inhabitants of this earth for longer than we do, and longer than we have, and they deserve to be treated with the reverence and respect um, that we would treat any other living, breathing being. So, before our time is up together, um, if you could leave a message for someone else who's listening right now, who's lost someone that they love, perhaps a child like you and I, you know, um, that is really struggling, that is really having a hard time uh, accepting, moving through. I don't want to say moving on. We never move on. No. Um, but we do move no. through. Mm -hmm. We can carry them with them. So what would, what would you say to this parent that, that might I don't want to put pressure on you, but that might be something that could change their perspective as well. Like yours was changed many years ago. I think that one thing, a couple of things I would say is that grief is a process. And we, you, we've heard the, the saying that grief is a, is a marathon. It isn't a sprint. Um, there are going to be days where we feel like we've taken two steps forward and one step backwards. But if you look at it, two steps forward, and one step backwards, you still made progress. Mm -hmm. So it's celebrate pro progress that, that you can, you can make. The other thing is open yourself up, allow yourself to, to really feel the pain of grief. Don't attempt to suppress it. Don't attempt to, to run away from it. Allow yourself to feel the pain of, of grief as a, as a way of moving through grief and open yourself up to different perspectives that can, that can promote healing. It may be getting out of your comfort zone to embrace, you know, uh, teachings of animals and nature um, or anything that, that may be kind of, um, you know, contradictory to your core beliefs. But I can say that for me, if I didn't embrace different perspectives, if I, if I looked at the world the same way I looked at the world before and after my daughter's death, I wouldn't be here talking. I would be stuck in the muck of grief and would not have found a way to work through it. Um, read accounts from other bereaved parents who have, um, you know, who have, who have been able to work through their grief, find appropriate support, but most and most of all, be gentle with yourself and particularly with the holidays coming up. This is another message. Do only what you are capable of doing at that particular moment. Find ways to take care of yourself, avoid activities that you cannot, um, you cannot emotionally tolerate and be flexible and be gentle with yourself and empower yourself to do that because grief can be very disempowering and especially the feelings that are associated with that. So that, 
is kind of a multifaceted message that I would have for, for your listeners, Sherry. And if they want to find out more about the work that you do or to grab a copy of your book, how can they find you, Dave? Well, they can, they can find both Patty and I on, so through psychologyprofessorandminister.com by email at psychologyprofessorandminister at gmail.com, or they can go on Amazon and just Google when the psychology professor met the minister, and they can buy a copy of our book. Um, it's, it's, on, it's in paperback and on Kindle as well, too. Thank you for listening to the Graduating Grief Podcast. For more information on the Graduating Grief community, workshops, and retreats, go to www.sherrydunlevy.com. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, and share.